0: Welcome, Adan. Thank you. I want to start with where I start most of these conversations, and um, I'd love to hear about where you see yourself, um, sort of industry-wise. And for people like me, who like don't don't necessarily get your world and don't live in your world, what are things that are important that maybe we should care about?
1: Uh, Sure. So I guess for for background, uh, I work as an investment banker at uh, SEO, which is a middle market uh, M&A type firm. We do typical M&A advisory work for large corporations, whether that's acquisitions, divestitures, joint ventures, that type of thing. I spend a little bit more time on deals that uh, have a... uh, Latin American component if you will or a uh, US Hispanic component so that's US buyers you know doing stuff in Latin America or Latin American companies buying or selling uh, or doing you know JVs in the US and um, you know what are the things that, what are the things that we're seeing now is just complete madness i mean if you I should have had a more kind of rational, decent answer a couple months ago. Right now, it's, you know, it's a little difficult to to answer that. Basically, everyone is uh, just seeing disaster happen. Uh, I think, you know, I get the sense that people are twiddling their thumbs, seeing their 401k (laughs) just go to zero. And uh, same for deals, right? You know, deals are probably just being paused all across the board. Uh, And and everyone just seems to be taking a, uh, I guess, like a wait-and-see approach, basically. This type of world.
0: So I guess one question for you is, did you always know you wanted to get into investment banking? How did you end up there?
1: How did I end up here? Um, That's a uh, long, long, long story, but I guess the... um, the summary, I was a huge nerd uh, in college, or rather, I had this, this, sorry, you hear my dog barking here. Um,
0: the dog wants <laughs> to be on the podcast too.
1: Yeah, he's going to have, he's gonna Move have on. a daughter.
0: Share the mic. Marvin, <laughs> sorry for that.
1: No, so I, I, was, I was this huge nerd back in school. I wanted to be an academic. Um, I was very much into grades, whatever, huge nerd. And um, I was infatuated with the topic. I, I had I had the opportunity to study in Canada for a bit and had this uh, mentor, this, this guy named Randall Mork. He's also a huge academic, and he had this class on on M&A and uh, how, you know, but from an economic perspective or academic perspective, and kind of he explained how M&A affects uh you know gdp and the relationship between mergers and bubbles and uh you know i was a 20 something year old i was absolutely in love with the uh you know with with the content and uh that was you know I, I guess i spent like six months in canada uh started with him and i went back to mexico and i was extremely uh determined to to, to do the same thing and be an academic on this field so I, I called, the, uh, I, uh, called the, the Central Bank of Mexico and, and say, hey, I want to kind of study this. I want a job. Uh, I want to study M&A and kind of the effect on the economy. And uh, I managed to get, the uh, I guess, the state governor of the Central Bank and, on the phone. And he, he laughed it off. He said, like, sure, um, you know, love your enthusiasm. Love the attitude. Keep it up. There's absolutely nothing for you to study here. There's no data. That was it was like a little bit, you know, longer than a decade ago. So he was like there's no deals anyway. You know, the, the stuff that you're seeing only happens in the developed world. So keep it up, right? And um, you know, I was a little dis.
0: I, I'm still sort of astonished by the fact that you got him on.
1: Yeah, show. no, I because you you're 20-something. Well, I mean, just put it into perspective, right? Mexico is a much smaller country. <laughs> yes, but uh, but I got the guy on the phone and uh and uh and you know the guy I, I thought at the time that the guy was like trying to give me like a nice respond response. Um so whatever, I was a little, you know, disillusioned. I went on, ended up getting a little job in uh at PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and begged them begged them to uh, to give me a job in, in, in their M&A department. And uh, sure, right? And what that resulted was that I was just basically, I was just warming up the bench. Like the, the guy at the central bank said, there was absolutely no pipeline for anyone, including PwC. So I was just twiddling my thumbs then. And uh, so I continued looking and, uh, you know, went and interviewed. And this was probably like uh, early 2009 or late 2008, so in the middle of the crisis. And uh, the, the current firm that I worked for, they, they were 10 years in the market. They were just venturing into Mexico. They were working for, for some American firms doing uh, acquisitions in Mexico. And we were opening an office there. And I had a girlfriend living in, in where I was studying. Uh, I, I had, I, I was, I had a life there, and and so I, you know, applied to this recruiting process, went through the first kind of set of interviews, second set of interviews. By the third set of interviews, I met one of the partners, and the guy said, like, hey, anybody told you that this job is in Washington? So I was like, nope, absolutely no one. So (laughs) so, uh, that's how I ended up doing you know, investment banking in Washington awesome. DC, and uh, obviously this this girlfriend of mine ended up giving me the booth, and uh, that was it, right? <laughs> That's how I ended up in in investment banking. Yeah, and, and and it was funny because you know I really wanted to do M and A, but from an academic perspective, I was just I really wanted to do to do that type of work, and you know the first kind of my first assignment. Uh, with with you know these guys and their their practitioners, right? So we had this firm and we were trying we had a client that was looking to acquire this firm and I was you know so excited to run all my models and apply all the stuff that I learned. And you know I go to him with all this, you know, fancy, crazy Excel files and this guy just looks at me and is like, what's the matter with you? Like just just why are you giving me all these values? Just what what's Evita? A hundred? Great. Multiply it by eight. Boom, purchase price. I was so sad, you know, with that. And uh but no, I mean it made sense, right? I mean that that's basically kind of real life um uh or, or how it happens. It's just a lot more practical than it is, you know, in, in the academic side of things.
0: as you think about your your journey, as you look back, do you do you come across a moment where you made a mistake that at that time felt like it was terrible or maybe it didn't feel like that terrible, but it was still a mistake. But in retrospect, is like, I'm so glad I did that.
1: Does it have to be like professional or can it be personal? No, no,
0: definitely. No, <laughs> whatever. I
1: feel, I feel like I was talking to you last weekend. And I was, maybe, maybe I was telling you a little bit of this, but I have a, uh, a personal story that I absolutely love uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, not sure if I was. Well, I mean, I guess I'll start. and You tell me if I tell you a little bit of this, a little bit about this. But um, you know, it is my favorite story. Just not. It's. It is a little spicy, but it was just very transformational uh, in my life. Uh, and and kind of in a uh, nutshell, basically. Yeah. I was in high school. Uh, I dated my teacher, and I was madly in love with this lady. Did I tell you a little bit about this?
0: No, I wouldn't remember <laughs> okay. this. So,
1: so, um, and I hope my, my session with you doesn't really get any popularity and this can just go into obscurity, but here I go. <laughs> uh, no, so anyway, high school and you know this lady, I was infatuated with her. And to to be to be honest, I say my teacher just to sound facetious, but in reality, she was she was high school staff, right? So she she was she was only 23 years old. I was Mm 17, and uh, and whatever she had, you know, a few kind of like sub classes here and then, but nothing that you know relevant. And what was relevant is that she led some of the extracurricular activities. So she had this responsibility and, you know, she will be there all afternoons. And she was deeply involved with this group of, um, you know, missionaries or Catholic young guys or whatever. So at the time, uh, I really wanted to impress her. I raised my hand to like, you know, be in everything she was leading and. Yeah, I ended up getting very, very close to her and whatever. And because of the relationship I had with her and all the, you know, craziness that I definitely won't go into a podcast <laughs> details. But basically, with you know that the relationship I was able to, you know, create with her, I ended up uh, getting very involved with this uh, group. So what that led was that um, I got so much involved that I ended up. Uh, living as a missionary, as an actual permanent missionary for a full year. Uh, So I I was living in...
0: I had no idea. Yeah. Uh,
1: No, yeah. So I I was a a missionary, right? A Catholic missionary for a year. I was living in the woods, uh, like just camping, like in in the Sierra um, with like other 26 kids. And uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a long story by itself. That was by far my absolute favorite year, not only because he was at an age where, you know, it's prone to be transformational, but also just because how intense, you know, that experience is and kind of what requires from you and and what what you just get from it, yeah, right. So that, you know, funny relationship led into something amazing, which which really created a lot of what's important to me now or or kind of how I do things how I think about you know some things whatever i got from 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 the woods that year it was absolutely very powerful
0: that that's that's incredible so it's like the obvious next question then is coming out of that year what did you think of as what what were the lessons that you learned? like if it reshaped you, what presumably sort of builds this architecture around which the rest of your actions you know are 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 placed? Um, so talk about that the principles or you know th- that framework that you developed that year well,
1: so um i I guess the most important lesson, which it's kind of funny that that I say it in a podcast, but uh, the most important lesson that I got from that experience was that um, I um, started in this little group kind of for this girl because I wanted to, I wanted the visibility. Uh, this was a Catholic school. So kind of those type of activities tended to be, you know, praise that. Or so I really wanted just, just, I I originally wanted the visibility, right. And, uh, and, and this girl. Ended up going through this experience where you know you're supposed to to be humble. You're supposed to you know operate through silence, love silence, and and kind of feel God through silence and venerate silence. Silence is a huge thing, despite how loud you think I am in real life. But uh, loud, you know, silence it's it's huge, right? And and I remember kind of the first few months of that experience. Just working really hard, you know, just physically hard and mentally hard and, and, you know, having communion with these people and, and feeling so angry at myself because, you know, here I am raising my hand to, you know, be a little missionary and work with poor people out of visibility. Like it was so vain and or mundane and made me feel so, so dumb. In a way, or, or embarrassed, right? So after that, uh, and, and maybe someone told me at the time, but I, I, you know, it's it's one little quote that I that I really um, try to abide to, and I don't know if it translates well, but it's basically that says that good deeds, you know, should be kept in silence, or I guess the good deeds that are, good deeds that are kept in silence count double, whereas good deeds that are bragged about, you know, count half. So, you know, that that was really, really, really powerful. And, and after that, anything, anything good that I try to do for someone else, I just kept my mouth shut. You know, I was like, if, you know, that person finds out, great. Otherwise, I'm just going to pray it helps him or her. And it, it, it was the opposite, right? If someone said like, oh, you did this for that, I was like, just trying to, to avoid that disability i'm not saying but you know i'm not saying i'm that 19 20 year old kid who is super humble and is this spiritual guy by no means but that was a very powerful principle that i try to or aim to kind of use here and
0: there you mentioned prayer a couple times is that still something that plays a role in your life Sure, sure
1: sure um i wouldn't say i'm um you know, uh, very Catholic or that I am by the book that Catholic, I'm rather flexible in, in a few things or liberal, in, you know, in a few things, but the spirituality aspect, it's, it's huge. Um, it's, it's, you know, it matters dramatically for me and, and could be for selfish purposes, right? It's it just, Gives me, gives me inner peace. Gives, gives me focus. You know, in my mind, allows me to connect better with people. Uh, does that make sense? Or, or, you know, it's, 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 it's a great yeah. thing to have. But yeah. it's also, it's, it's also a great tool to, to utilize, right? Um. So I try to, I try to do it, and 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 I try to be close to, to, to God, right? If, if I have You know, if I was born in a different country at a different time, I probably would be as spiritual in a different religion. That's probably what I'm trying to say. But beyond, you know, beyond being spiritual or whatever, or like a godsend person, it's just giving me way too many things in, in life in general, just like practicing those, I guess, habits or or virtues, I'd say. I guess I give you a very long answer. You know, the short answer is I don't pray as much as I should, uh, but it's it's definitely something that's in my mind and I and, and I and I do it as as often as I remember. Which sometimes is is more often, right? Than 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 you know typical.
0: I, I think of I think of that as a really sort of healthy uh habit. Um so maybe if we switch gears to um Maybe not unhealthy, but unusual or weird um, habits that you love. Sorry, I'm just I'm just laughing um, because
1: you mentioned switch gears, and I remember that I'm lo- talking about this teacher that I was in love, and then talk about <laughs> prayers. Oh my goodness!
0: Oh, what's wow. the arc of a story, yeah. right? Um, so, so if you were to think about um, things that are unusual that you do that are habits, uh, but you love, what would you say? Those are like one example of that.
1: I love kind of like dreams in general. Uh, so kind of
0: dreams, dreams as in or dreaming.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> dreams okay. as, in, as in dreaming. Uh, and uh, like, you know, everything that is dream related, you know, captivates me. So I do a little bit of hypnotherapy to practice lucid dreaming. I love lucid dreams uh oh yeah so i i journal my dreams i have this i have some notes on my phone of kind of like when i dream last night or sometimes handwritten or before sleeping i focus super super hard to kind of try to dream whatever i want um i'm you know by no means successful at it but it's just like like a favorite wish that i have probably you know since i was a kid just to have like cool dreams and think that i have a play in it um yeah, that's just something absurd that that I like to do.
0: That's really interesting. I, I I wanna I wanna learn about that a little bit more. Maybe maybe at another happy hour if we have one of those this year. Um, what do you do when you feel overwhelmed? I
1: definitely so kind of the few things that come to mind I will go for a walk by myself I love being by myself I will write down my my thoughts kind of just to identify whatever's keeping me you know unsettled definitely play the guitar and uh or or definitely you know pray what do you do can can I ask you questions in your podcast or that's just unilateral
0: I'll take a stab at it. Um, I think one of the tendencies that I notice in myself is that when I feel overwhelmed, I get migraines. Oh wow! And that's a reminder to myself that um, you know this is this is hit crazy level. And I used to treat it with like coffee and and drugs, mm-hmm. and um, drugs is not like over the counter stuff. Um, and now I've realized that the only way to get through that is to to make a list and actually just go through Backward. the work and miraculously the the thing that just goes away um, and and so that's been that's been one thing that I've learned about myself over the last couple of years no it's
1: you know it's funny, so I kind of identify that if I am like um like irritable like you know if I get angry easily or if if I'm not you know, articulating my thoughts clearly, if I'm stuttering, uh, that is a very clear sign that I am very stressed or overwhelmed. Um, and and yeah, definitely writing down my, you know, ri- ri- writing down my thoughts will be the first
0: one. Um, you know. Yeah, writing has got this weird sort of power. Yeah. It's, it's like, very interesting. Yep, yep. Um, A couple of final questions for you. One, if you think about the one thing that's changed over the last couple of years, uh, that's, like, at, at the core, so not just, I started to dye my hair this, um, although I'm sure you don't dye your hair. But you know, like some, something that's not. not oh my strong.
1: goodness! Is that because I'm getting, you know, I'm bold, actually.
0: Well, oh that, that my would be more ball <laughs> <laughs> But but you but you know something that's, that's a little bit uh, maybe a little bit deeper or sort of more more meaningful uh, in terms of change. What would that be? Oh.
1: So kind of like you know new things that I have adopted that have made me better. Sure. Um I want to say um I want to say but I'm not sure if you know I'm being I'm being good at it but I want to say the kind of letting go things just not holding on to things or or just not be so you know, thin skin on, on a few things. Um, it, it's something I've been working in, Um but but I, I don't know. I mean, it's just I, I go back to this kind of writing down. You know, writing down has been really, really helpful. I, I'd say over the past few years, I've I've done it a little bit more. If I feel unsettled or if I feel like something's bothering bothering me, you know, I, I revert to that. Uh, yeah, I also want to say kind of practicing yoga. I've been doing a lot of yoga, but that's been over the past few months. I don't know if that would satisfy your question. Um, and definitely, I guess, through this uh, program where we met, it's definitely reading, uh, kind of just because of the how many flights I take here and then, just reading on airplanes has been something that is, I'd say has improved my life dramatically.
0: Hmm. So that segues, segues perfectly into my next question. Um, if you look at your reading list, what's on there and, and why is it there?
1: Reading list. Um, I have an unfinished book right now that uh, halfway there, it's called King of Capital. Uh, very cool little book. It's sort of a, a short uh, bio or I guess, you know, short chronicles of uh, Steve Schwarzman, the founder of Blackstone uh very much unopened uh, but it's all is the immediate book on my list it's four hour body as per mario morlaki's recommendation and then i have a long list of books that um, they're sitting on my little wish list on amazon or or just sitting on my bookshelf
0: cool there's a lot of stuff happening in the world right now that's not not happy it's pretty crappy stock market tanked again, school shut down. So it's it's easy to get sucked into the, the doom and gloom. But if you think about, if you step back and you think about things that make you hopeful for the world uh, in three or five years, what would you say those are?
1: Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, uh, first, I'd say that... Uh, that uh we should do all we can to you know apply long-termism you know it's this is just another little you know crisis or or event that uh that you know in a few years from now we'll go back you know look back and and laugh at it you know every everything felt so gloomy in 2008 and you know over over the years all this crises and things we've had i mean it's it's just history at this point. So, you know, we'll be fine. You know, it just sucks now. So am <laughs> not sure if this is a good answer, but uh, just kind of try to, you know, keep that perspective. Um, and also just really try to not focus on the noise because there's just absolutely way too much noise about all this, uh unfortunate events. You know, I, I guess what, every hour we're, we're getting blasted, you know, whether that's, you know, core power yoga or Northwestern or your building or, you know, Walmart, everyone is just blasting you about everything that's happening. And obviously every time you open your bank account, you feel equally demoralized. So I'm not saying you should avoid bad news. You should take all the necessary precautions and be as healthy as you can and make sure you, you know, you adopt the regulations that are being enforced, but just do it, you know, focus on it once, once a day, then you have, you know, what? 16 hours the rest of the day to focus on everything else that matters uh you know like like sleep like family like friendships like health there's just so many other things other than coronavirus and you know whatever we have in savings i don't know i i, I just i try not to panic because i bet in a few years from now we'll, we'll look back and say oh my goodness that was just crazy times And uh yeah, we should we should try to use that time productively. Easier said than done, but still.
0: On that note, this has been such a treat. Thank you. Of course.